0: Fired up. So, hey guys. guys, we're here again. This is so exciting. Yay! We made it again. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned the first time, the series we're doing is Be Before You Do, right? And yeah. the, this is something that I, I've really um, come to believe in a lot and been um, seeing the impact of it in my life and like I said I've, I've been talking with a lot of you and it seemed to resonate with a lot of you and so I'm really praying that we're able to just partner with what I feel like God is doing and the Holy Spirit is doing in our church and in this city in order to be who God is calling us to be um, and so before we get started I, I would just like to pray. I'll pray together. Father God thank you so much for who you are Lord. Thank you so much for Being the compassionate and gracious God who created us, who created this world, um, and who didn't just drop us here, but really is intimately involved in our lives. You care so much about us, and you know us better than anyone does. You know us better than we even know ourselves, God. And in the midst of all of that, of knowing everything you do know about us, you love us so deeply, God, um, so much that you sent your one and only Son to sacrifice Himself for us. And that's why we're able to be here today. God, because of your son. I'm so grateful for every woman that's in this room. I'm so grateful for what your spirit is doing here. I pray, God, that we could be attentive to your spirit during this time, that we, especially myself, can be humble to your word and be humble to what it is that you're doing in our midst, God, and that we would just embrace your truth wholeheartedly, Father. There's so much that rebels against your truth, God. There's Satan's lies all around us, Father, but I pray that we would recognize the voice of our shepherd, God, and, and follow you wholeheartedly lord please be with us during this time and during the fellowship afterwards we love you And in jesus name i pray amen. amen so the first thing we did last month for those of you who remember was be with god right like starting there that like god is the center of of everything that we do he's the reason why we do what we do and being with him is the reason why we do what we do all of our actions and everything come out of being with him or should come out of being with him prayerfully, right? And lead us right back to being with him on the last day, which is so encouraging. And today is be yourself, right? Great. Crazy, like everyone gets this advice all the time, right? Be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. And um, so I, I'm sure all of us have heard this. And you know, it's one of those things, there's so many things in this life that as you get older and you get more experience, becomes so much easier, right? And Walking with Christ, we see this as well. So many things in the Christian life become so much, things that you thought were so complicated and difficult as a baby Christian, you're like, you know what? There are other things that are more complicated, but, you know, I'm going to handle this. I don't think this is one of those things. I think, if anything, being yourself becomes harder the older we get. Being yourself becomes harder the more we walk with Christ. And just a heads up, next month is going to be, Be like Christ, right? So that's part of the tension, right? Is we know we need to be like Jesus, right? But somewhere in the midst of that, we also figure out how to be ourselves, how to be the unique person that God created us to be. He created you for a reason. He created us not automatons and robots for a reason. And yet it can be really hard to embrace that fact and think that that's okay who you are. You know, I look at my son, right? And when he was born, he didn't care what anybody Thought of him, right? Did, was completely unconcerned with our opinions, just did what he did and was who he was. And one of the things that I loved was as his little personality started to develop and I saw him play with other people, he would, you know, do what they were doing if he thought it was cool and if he didn't feel like it, like, oh, I'll do my thing, you know? And I just remember feeling like this relief as someone who's like a natural people pleaser, like, oh, thank God. He knows how to, you know, he wants to be friendly, but he can do his own thing. And I vividly remember the first time I saw him really experience rejection on a playground. Um, it was up here. We didn't do much playground stuff down in Miami, so it's not like there's something particularly, you know, evil about main children. He just didn't get the opportunity. Um, but we're on the playground, and his idea of playing was: you're playing with something, I'm going to go over and play with the thing you're playing with. You know. And so there was some kid he I guess thought they were interesting and he's running after this kid and they you know play with the wheel he runs to the wheel they start moving the mulch he starts moving the mulch and then every time he would go to where this kid was they would move <laughs> And then maybe the second or third time this happened I how I'm stopping to kind of look like like what's going on here and my heart broke I'm like is my kid <laughs> um, and the the thing that I could not stop thinking was oh lord if this traumatizes him and makes him change who he is and makes him worry about people's opinions it makes him worry about like okay let me try to fit in and you know what there, I have no control over that I have to accept that like there's really that's a part of the process all of us go through and there's a part that we should care what people think you know what I mean there's something healthy about like not being like a total psychopath you know what I mean and like you know and you know there, there's some people who struggle with that and like amen but there's there's like, a certain degree of, okay, like, I, I'm concerned, but then when that concern gets so bone deep that we don't even know how to be who we are. Um, when I was reading this Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, there's an assessment where it talks about the false self, right? How you can have this false self. And I already kind of knew I can be a little bit of a chameleon, right? But I'm not, like I'm, like, I'm not fake, you know what I mean? Like, I'm real. I'm just, you know, a little... A little malleable. I'm going to read off some of these things that he has in the assessment of the false self. And you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just think through if this resonates, right? If it's not very true, sometimes true, mostly true, very true, right? Here's some things. I compare myself a lot to other people. I often say yes when I prefer to say no. I often don't speak up to avoid the disapproval of others. People close to me would describe me as defensive and easily offended. I have a hard time laughing at my shortcomings and failures. I avoid looking weak or foolish in social situations. I'm not always the person I appear to be. I struggle with taking risks because I could fail or look foolish. My sense of worth and well-being comes from what I have, possessions, what I do, accomplishments, or what others think of me, popularity. I often act like a different person when in different situations and with different people. Let's take a moment to reflect on if any of those things resonate with you. I'll be totally honest. So much of this resonated with me that I was scared. <laughs> and some of it, you think, okay, there, there's a little bit of you know saying yes that's denying yourself. You know, there's a certain degree of being a, a, a different person that's being all things to all men. But there's a core self that I could lose where I don't even know who I am anymore because I I've completely disconnected from that core identity where it's really about who I'm with, other people begin to define who I am, other people's expectations. And I'm convinced that that's not what God desires yes. of us, that that's not God's expectation for who we are in him. And so the, the question I think we have to ask is, what, what are we really hiding? What is it that we're afraid that someone's going to see? What are we afraid is going to be exposed? And I don't know what it is for you. I have so many insecurities and things. I'm like, oh gosh, someone really knew this. Um, But we're not even going to be talking about other people right now. Because I think the other people is a manifestation of how we are first with God. That we bring all those insecurities and weirdness to other relationships because we haven't figured out how to be ourselves with God first and gotten secure with who we are in him first to be able to be that Ow. Does that make sense? Um, and I think that that's true because of what the Bible says in the beginning. In the beginning, where it all went wrong. Genesis. So much comes back to Genesis. I'm so grateful for the scriptures and for God giving us this narrative that really paints the picture of who he is who we are, what he cares about, and how so many things can, can make those things muddled. So we're in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 7 through 10. Actually, I lied. We're going to read verses 4 through 10. (laughs) Uh, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. When the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And last time we talked about this same passage and we talked about the evidence of where things went awry was that there was a separation. There was a separation that hadn't existed before. And it wasn't just that they, that they hid, but they suddenly realized, oh, wait a second, I'm naked. And for the first time, that's a bad thing. There's a rupture in intimacy that happens when we're not able to be ourselves before God where we think there's something that has to be covered up, there's something that has to be hidden. It's like one of the most ridiculous things that we do because we know logically, I think, like God sees everything, and yet there's this futile attempt to say, okay, let me, let me fix myself up. Let me get myself together. Um, and so there's, some, there's so many areas in which this can happen. I want to talk about more so the, how to reverse that in our lives, Right? how to go from okay we're we're hiding we're hiding our nakedness we're trying to avoid the intimacy that comes from being fully exposed we're going to step out without the leaves and embrace God and embrace who he called us to be and how can we do this by following Jesus crazy right like Jesus Jesus is the example that we have of someone who lived completely Himself was completely himself and was able to uh, reflect what it looks like for us, and I think sometimes. You think like, okay, well, easy enough for Jesus, right? But I'm hoping that the examples that I show tonight will help us to feel like, okay, I really can follow the example of Jesus and being myself in a way that feels real and that feels human and that feels attainable, right? So there's so many areas. Obviously, Jesus was himself 100% of the time, right? But there are just a few areas that I want to look at tonight that I think we can really um, gain from. First off, limitations, right? There are some limitations that people have Mm -hmm. that we have there are you know there's so there's 24 hours to the day and there's a certain period of those that we spend sleeping right sometimes based off your life circumstance you've got kids you're like hey like here's here's this child that i'm responsible for you need some place to live and places to live cost money so you need a job you know like okay, there's some period of time that I spend working, there's some capabilities that you have or you don't have, there are some things that you know are not moral, but just simply are a matter of being a human being. We have aches and pains, we have aging, we have even just being young and being inexperienced. and me- All those things, we have different limitations. Yeah. And our society tells us that's a problem, that this is <coughs> wrong, that any limit that you have Needs to be destroyed, right? Like, oh, limitations are the end. Like you see it all the time. Like limitless, no limits. Like, yeah, you see that wall and you say, no, I'm gonna break through it, rah. And that's what we what we think of. Even we can put our faith language on that culture, yeah, yeah. and say like, yeah, that's what real faith is. Real faith is all, like never having to say no. Real faith is always being able to do everything all the time. And you can do, you know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know? And that means somehow I'm able to actually do every single thing, ignoring the full context of what Paul's actually talking about, which is really just persevering and enduring terrible suffering and continuing to live with God. But what does Jesus do? You're like, why are we talking about Jesus when we're talking about limitations? Well, let's take a look. Let's look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Let's see what Jesus is up to in his ministry. John chapter four. It says in verse four now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? I... I love this. Those of us who are familiar with the story know that after this, he gets into a whole conversation with a Samaritan woman. She's like, why are you talking to me? He's like, listen, do you have any idea who I am? And she's like, I've got no clue, but like what's up with this eternal water you're talking about? And then they get into talking about her life, and she becomes inspired, and it's, it's an incredible moment, and there's so many people who come to Saving Faith as a result of this conversation. But it all happens because Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, mm-hmm. sat down by the well. And I love that the gospel writer includes that detail, right? Because it's so easy to look and be like, "Well, of course Jesus knew he was going to run into this woman, And so he strategically mm-hmm. sat down at the well, like, "I can't wait for the Samaritan woman to come. This conversation's mm-hmm. going to be killer, you know mm-hmm. And it's very well that he knew, but the scripture says that he yeah. was tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was tired, and therefore he sat down. Like, how many of us view something like that as we failed? It's a weakness. I'm tired. I have to take a break. I have to sit. I can't do it all. And we look at ourselves and we're like, oh gosh, this is terrible. Instead of embracing the limitation and not even viewing it as, like, I will not even describe this as a weakness necessarily. This is just Jesus subjecting himself to being in a human body. He's like, I'm in a human body. I feel tired. I'm going to sit down and rest. And for some reason, we can... Pathologize so much of what's just normal human limitation. It's not bad. It's not good. It's not moral. It's not about your character. It's just you're tired and you need to sleep. You don't have enough hours in the day. You literally are not, you know, the right requirement for whatever it is that you're trying to do. You're not tall enough. You're too, not short enough. You're not, you know. And they're like, oh gosh, like why can't I do the thing? And it's like, because it's you can't. Because you can't. There are some things that I physically cannot ever do, and I could sit and be upset about it, or I can say, you know what? Amen. That's a limitation, and embrace that God gave me limits. You know what's crazy? God embraces limits. Our limitless God, who can literally do whatever he pleases, he imposes limits on himself. After six days of work, God rested. Mm-hmm. What? He said he created everything that we know, the known universe, and maybe even more, and then said, that's enough. I'm done. Mm-hmm. He laid laws of physics in motion and said, all right, these are, this is the way that the world is going to work, and I'm going to let it do that. Now, he does break in from time to time and create miracles, but miracles are miracles because they're really not... Normal, You know what I mean? They happen once and then, like, not again. Like, yeah. how many times does the Red Sea split? It happened one time. You know, there's things that he does, and I, by faith there are times that we break through those limits. Mm-hmm. But it's by God's timing and by his spirit and not by because we decide I've got to, I have to push through because I have to push through. Yeah. Sometimes God calls us to do those incredible things and he works miracles through us. But that's not us saying, like, oh, this limitation, I don't like it. Yeah. So I'm going to ignore it. God limits himself. Jesus subjected himself to being in human form. Philippians 2 talks about how he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He subjected himself to all of our human limitations. That's crazy. But he embraced that. He embraced feeling pain. He embraced feeling tired. He embraced feeling hungry and thirsty. God is a fan of limits, weird as it sounds, right? And so in order to be like God, we have to be able to look at those limits and say, even in this God is working, even in this God is glorified, even in the ways in which I am not like this other person, that I'm not like whoever it is that I think is amazing and the way that God made me and the way that he limited me and requires me to rely on him, this is glorious. This is God's handiwork. Weakness. This is different from limits, right? Mm-hmm. This is like legit weakness. We don't like feeling weak. We don't like exposing weakness. Like, that's what the word vulnerability is all about, right? I'm talking about, like, oh, I want to be, be vulnerable. Vulnerable means that you can be wounded. Vulnerable means you're like, hey, this is, you know, my bad leg. And someone's like, oh, I'm going to kick you in it. you're like, golly, why'd you kick me in my bad leg? Because you showed me where your weakness was. And now we pray that, you know, no one kicks us in our bad leg. But that's, that's a part of saying, like, I'm embracing my weaknesses, acknowledging, like, yep, all right, I, I've, got, I've got the bad leg. I've got the thing that just is not working right about me. Or maybe it's in how we feel, right? I'm feeling, it can be momentary weakness. It can be, I'm in a season where this, like, This is not going right. I'm going through hardship. I'm going through emotional turmoil. I'm going through a a mental health challenge. I'm going through whatever's going on. And we feel weak and we hate it. And we pray for God to just take it away. Just just, Just take it away. And then we can get mad when he doesn't. Let's look at Jesus. What does Jesus do? Matthew chapter 26. In verse 36 so here in Matthew it says then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them sit here while I go over there and pray he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled then he said to them we share often, especially when we're helping people to come to saving faith in Christ. And I think it's because it really hits us like this, this vulnerability of Jesus. And we look and we're like, man, he was, he was human. Yeah. He felt sorrow, he felt pain. He, he was concerned about what was going to happen to him. He wasn't just like, all right, gonna go die on the cross. Woo, like this is, this is what I've been training for all the time. He had that moment of like, oh, this is gonna be hard. Oh, I don't want this. And I think a lot of us would be hard pressed to see us go through a season like this and not feel shame. That if we put ourselves in this scenario, put our name, and we said, This is how I felt and this is what I prayed about it, that we wouldn't feel like something was wrong. And yet, I'm so grateful that this is in the scriptures. I'm yeah. so grateful that not only did this happen, But that it was exposed, that Jesus exposed this. He did not secretly feel the sorrow. He shared it. He said, like, how do we know that this was true if he didn't say it? If he didn't allow the disciples to come in, he didn't, it doesn't just say. And then Jesus felt sorrowful. Jesus said, I am feeling sorrowful. I, my soul's overwhelmed to the point of death and be here with me. And in his prayers to God, he prayed for what he really wanted. God, can you take this away? Could we not? Is, is, there, is, there, is there another way? He was surrendered, and yet he was himself. Does that make sense? He, he, I think so often when we're in these moments, we want to fast forward through to what we know the right answer is. We want to fast forward through the feeling, through the hardship, because we know what we should feel and what, what needs to happen and got to deny myself. And so we'll, we'll pray like, God, I know that this is tough, but, you know, I, you know I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And we're telling God his plan and we don't give him time to work his way through us to get our hearts really where it needs to be. We're trying to, like, kick our hearts down the road and be like, okay, here's my 10 point plan for how i'm going to get myself together in order to do what i know i ought to do instead of praying to god and sitting with the feeling jesus yeah, yeah. felt his feelings he felt and he said this this is what it is god this is what i this is what i want i'm surrendered to you and yet he went back three times it wasn't like a one-time deal he went back he went back for support from his friends his friends were struggling he went back to god he went back to his friends All right, you got it so strongly. He goes back to God. And I think sometimes we can be frustrated with ourselves of how much going to God it really takes Mm -hmm. when we feel these things. Like, shouldn't I be over this by now? Yeah. Why do I still feel this way? I know what I should do. I know what the right answer is. Why can't I just get it together? Why can't I just like, uh, be like Jesus, be like Jesus? Mm -hmm. We we need to be like Jesus in our personal lives in order to be like Jesus out there. Mm -hmm. You can't just skip ahead to like the, You know, and there's something to be said for a little bit of like fake it till you make it. Sometimes you do the thing. This doesn't mean like you don't ever do the thing when you don't feel like it. But you can't live like that. You can't live like that long term. You can't forever be all right, like because then you you're gonna be faking it and not making it. Mm. Eventually, you have to take the time to sit and say, God, this is how I really feel. Mm. This is what I really want. It's really hard. I'm I'm working to be surrendered to you, God. I think. I'm so grateful that I, I read this and tried to put this into practice when we were in the process of moving here mm-hmm. because there was so much anxiety around like potentially being homeless. Like, <laughs> like this, this, this isn't working out. And I think normal Julian would have just been ruled by the anxiety and the fear and been like, I should be faithful, but oh my gosh, and like be faithful and maybe faithful is just like running for this thing that looks like the good thing. And I remember at one point, just like stopping in the middle of my bedroom and saying, God, I just feel so anxious. Just be with me in this anxiety. I just want to s- stand here with you and feel the anxiety with you. <laughs> and there wasn't like a Ooh, wave of peace that came over me immediately. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't like I felt it me. Oh yeah, like the angel saying that. But practicing that, i just like, helped me get to a point where I really believe God is here with me in my anxiety. Even if he's not taking it away, the feeling, I can trust him that he's here. He sees it, and this isn't a shameful, terrible thing. This isn't – he's not surprised. He's not like, oh, my gosh, like, Julian doesn't know where she's going to live, and she's struggling. Like, yes. Yes, I am. Hi. Here I am. I'm a human being. I care about these things. And I think that sitting in that helped me to make faithful decisions that led to where we live now. There are some other things that turned up that seemed like okay, maybe we just jump on this. And I remember Steve being like, maybe we should just jump on this option, and because it seems like a sure thing. And I was like, it just doesn't seem. There was something that just seemed not quite right there. And there was another option that was a bit more of a long shot. And but thankfully he was like, you know what? It, I'll I'll stand with you if you're okay with potentially losing this and like not having anything, but if you feel like it's a faithful choice and like, amen, I'm like, yeah, I really, I really do. I really do. And it worked out immensely and we pay way less than we would have and have way more space than we would have. If we had just, if I had taken the time to just be like, okay, I feel, yeah, Lyon was intensely involved with that whole process. Um, and, Yeah. (laughs) Saw the whole thing unfold. Um, But I think instead of pushing past and being like, okay, I have to get to the place to get to the place of real peace, which we see Jesus does. He accepts it. He goes to the cross and he's the amazing savior that we know and we love. But he went through this processing of the feelings with God and didn't take a shortcut. And that's incredible. Yeah. So I wanna make it clear that you're more than your shortcomings, right? I think so often we talk about like be yourself and it's like be the worst person like, you are terrible, and you need to just accept that. Like, we think of, like, okay, who I am before God, and we're like, who I am before God is a wretch. Like, I'm depraved. I'm awful. I still don't understand. I'm scum on the bottom of this shoe. And there's so much of that comes from some aspect of truth, you know what I mean? Because we can be really messed up individuals, you know? We have sin, and again, we have things that aren't even more shortcomings that are just like, man, we— yeah have limitations and weaknesses and it's hard and and that can be really hard for us to accept but i think sometimes on the flip side it can be hard to accept that even with all that you're actually still more than that that doesn't that's not all of who you are even when you think of being yourself you're putting forward whatever you're thinking this is this is what people really want to see of me this is the good parts of me and sometimes we don't even know what the good parts are you're putting forward what you think other people need to see but like God knows the good parts of you. And sometimes for the sake of whatever we think other people think is good, we are ignoring and we're stamping down and we are hiding what's really beautiful and good about us. What God really wants, the light that God really wants us to shine in the world. And some of that's limitations and some of that is more. So again, we're going to get fired up about Jesus. So Matthew, we're going to go a little further ahead in Matthew chapter 3. So in Matthew chapter 3, in verses uh, starting in verse 16, this is Jesus getting baptized to fulfill all righteousness, right? Which is fired up. And it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Isn't it just the dream? Mm. Audible voice from heaven comes down (laughs) after your baptism. (laughs) This is my son, like, oh, come on, like, like, I think this is what we all think. Like, if I just had this, if I just had, like, an actual voice come out of the clouds and light on me and tell me, like, mm. I'm pleased with you, like, mm. then, like, I would be set, right? And so, like, this is, a, this is an awesome fire up moment. What I think is fascinating is what happens directly after this moment, right? So immediately afterwards, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Gracious. Holy Spirit, really? That's what you want to do here? You Going to kill the vibe here? All right, cool. So he goes out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Human limitations, guys. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. It's incredible. So what we love about Jesus when he's having this tussle, with Satan, right? Most of the time, I I think, because Satan isn't omnipresent like God is, right? He doesn't have that that same power. A lot of times, I think, we're getting tripped up by, like, his demons, you know what I mean? He's sending his, like, you got to be doing some serious stuff for Satan himself to show up and be like, I'm going to take the time to actually show up. And, like, this is like the showdown of the century, right? Jesus and Satan is going down, and Satan brings out all the best weapons at him, and Jesus still succeeds where Adam and Eve failed when they were faced with the serpent. Yeah. And to me, I think, what's the biggest? I think a lot of times we focus on like you know Satan. You know he threw stuff at him, and Jesus had scriptures and cool, cool, cool. But what did it really center around? This same lie that Satan always says, right? Did God really say? Did God? He said to Adam and Eve. So did, did God really say not to touch this? He says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, what did we just read, like, verses ahead of that? The literal voice of God says, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And immediately Satan comes and says, did God really say that? You think he meant it? How do you know? Are you sure? Prove it to me. You need to go out on your own power and show that you're the son of God. It wasn't enough for God to say it. You need to go out and you need to, by your power, do it. Be, be the son of God for me. And the incredible thing is that Jesus doesn't take the bait. Satan comes in and is like, okay, like what about those? those physical needs you have, right? If you're the son of God, you just take care of yourself, you know? I mean, you're like, this is, this, this fruit looks good. I'm gonna chew it. Mm-hmm. Jesus is like, no, that's all right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good on what God says. Yeah. I feast on God's words. Mm-hmm. Satan's like, all right, you want some of God's words? How about, how about this? Okay, S- does he really love you? D- does he really care for you? Is he really gonna take care of you? Do you have that security in him Showing compassion for you. I and Eve weren't too sure. God said he, he had been taking care of their every need up until that point. And now all of a sudden they're like, I don't know. He's withholding this from me. There's something he's not giving me. Does he really care about me? Does he really want what's best for me? Why, why would he get this here? And Jesus says, mm, I'm not testing God. I trust him. I don't need to go out and like manufacture hardship for myself in order to say, like, God, do you really love me out? No, I, I trust his word. Mm-hmm. And then Satan takes him up, and what I think is fascinating is he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in splendor, he says, I will give this to you. Which doesn't make any sense because it's already his. Mm. Everything we see in the Gospels is a process of Jesus becoming king. Now, the way he will become king is through his suffering on the cross and his resurrection. Satan is offering a painless, easy, all you have to do is bow down to me. You don't have to go through all that stuff that you read about in Isaiah, just skip ahead to the ruling part. And Jesus I know who I am. I'm the suffering servant. I know who I am. I'm king over heaven and earth. I know who I am. I don't, I don't, do get here by serving you Mm -hmm. but by serving god he's the one who has the authority for adam and eve it was really tough he satan the serpent came and said you can be like god and they didn't answer back and be like we already are like Mm -hmm. we have enough of god that we need he created us in his image and he said that is enough for us and we are going to embrace that that the the aspects of himself that he put in us is sufficient we don't need whatever other things that you think qualities of God that we need. We have what we need. Jesus was secure. He said, you know what? I know who I really am. And so in, in following Jesus, even as we're trying to be like Jesus, there's this question, okay, who, who are you really? Who, who am I really? Who does God say that I am? Am I guilty of falling for one of Satan's oldest tricks of not believing who God says that I am. Not just the difficult parts, right? Not just like, oh man, because Satan will point out plenty of flaws to you, right? He'll point out this, is this, 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 and that. You don't even necessarily need to go into the scriptures to find out the places where you fall short. Because mm-hmm. Satan will show up on your doorstep and put up a really scary looking mirror. Mm-hmm. But we do need to go into God in order to understand who we are in terms of his image again, it comes right back to being with him. Being with God, sitting with God, understanding his character so that we can see where that's reflected in us. So that we can see this is who I'm called to be in the way that he's called me to be. And it's not easy. It's not an easy road he's going to take us on. There's, There's some refining that happens and there's some hardship. But even in that, he's saying, you'll see glimpses of my glory, just like Jesus did, just like Jesus reflected. I think one of the incredible things about God, right is that these things the the limitations the weaknesses and the the amazing glory of god these are not in opposition to each other even though we feel like it is we feel like it's this or that this but that oh i'm you know organized but i'm not as compassionate you know like okay these are things and jesus and god are yes and and that's that's the thing that disarms satan because he tells you 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 can these things can't coexist in the same person. Mm-hmm. You can't be both weak and strong. And God says yes, you you are weak. Yeah. And yet you're you're strong enough for what I've called you to. He says, "Yes, you are flawed. And you're redeemable. Yes, you are sinful and you are made holy Mm -hmm. yes you are unlike me and you are the thing that's most like me in creation Mm. all these things these rigid categories that we create are an illusion right part of being ourselves before god means embracing the yes and means rejecting the battle that satan wants us to fight and embracing the peace of god that we can sit in the presence of a holy god who knows us intimately and desires for us to see ourselves as he does right now like i said next month we're going to be talking about being like christ right and that whole journey of like okay there are there are some aspects of ourselves that we change and that are but they're transformed through god they're not us pushing down and suppressing right There's a transformation of, at our core, who we are that happens through the Holy Spirit, right? And so part of us embracing that transformation process is embracing who we are at our core and embracing that that's exactly who God has made us to be. So here's a couple of practical things, right, That's we kind of have talked about a bit in the course of this, but just to put bullet points, right? Right. embrace your limitations you're like julian that's not practical at all right like this is like the vaguest whatever but i want you to really think like okay what are some things that are limits that i view as the enemy and perhaps they just are what they are you know uh for myself and I've mentioned this multiple times, but this is probably the biggest limitation I have. I have ADHD, right? It like affects so much of my life. It affects so much of my Christian life. It affects so much of my parenting. It affects, and I have spent so much time being mad at God for how my brain operates mm-hmm. and saying, why Why would you make me this way, right? And more recently, I looked at them and I'm like, you know what? I, there's something about embracing that limitation and saying, okay, it is what it is. And I could sit here and be distracted in my prayers and then like spend the next however long like being distracted while I apologize <laughs> like like oh god I'm so sorry that I got distracted with um what is that thing and then like no I haven't done my full penance or I can just say god's not surprised he's not like whoa julian you got distracted again like what's going on like he he knows even better than I do what's going on in there so just embracing it and accepting it and saying like this is what it is okay like I'm, I'm not going to be like the three hour, like epic prayer session, except for maybe like once in a blue moon when I get like hyper-focused, which is a whole other thing. But usually I'll be like, okay, the thought comes and I embrace it when it comes. And then when it goes, I say, amen, amen. I'm, I'm not going to beat myself up about it and make it a moral failing when it's a limitation. Does that make sense? I think all of us have those things. Some of them are more circumstantial and some of them may be more permanent. Maybe you're like, man, like this is a season in my life where I'm physically limited. Some of us deal with chronic illnesses, deal with situations where you're like, man, like I look at what we think is the expectation. You know what I mean? There's like this like rule out there like you got to be at x number of things or else you're a bad disciple you know what i mean and and maybe you're killing yourself you're like oh gosh or maybe you say look i'm going to embrace this limitation and find a way to be who god's calling me to be in the way that he made me in the body he gave me like okay maybe i can't physically be at everything but there that's not the only way to connect with the body that's not the only way but we're like okay this is this is the only way here listen i i empower you right Anyone who's listening online, I empower you, right, through God's Holy Spirit to, f- to find and explore the ways that He is calling you uniquely to follow Him and follow His commands in the way that fits with your limitations. Not using them as excuses to not follow Him, mm-hmm. but to be creative, yeah. right? And, and I encourage us to embrace each other's limitations. Yeah. Sit in your feelings with God, right? When you're feeling the fear, the anxiety, or the sorrow, or the pain, don't fast forward through it. Don't rush straight to the, okay, like this is how I'm going to solve it myself. Give God the space to work on you, right? And that's something that we have to embrace may have to happen again, and again, and again, and again. And finally, pray for God's perspective right again as we walk with God for an extended period of time I think we become more and more aware of his expectation we become more and more aware of Jesus and how unlike him we can be at times and like get so stressed out right and we can lose sight of even who we are before God I think part of asking God to examine us isn't just about like show me how terrible I am but also like God show me where where my gifts are show me the parts of me that reflect who you are. Help me to see why you made me who I am. Because it wasn't just so that I could like, suffer or, or make other people's lives more difficult prayerfully, right? But there's some aspect of me that you said that there's a part of me in this, in this, in this incredible daughter of God. right? So what is that, where is that? And it may surprise you, I, we, I would encourage you to be open that it may not be what you think. What you think is your strength may not even be what your strength is in the kingdom. You can be like, this is the thing I value most about myself. And God's like, that's cool and all, but this is what I value most about you. Um, so I encourage us to do that. And um, we're done. Thank you. Uh, and fellowship. Woo! Be yourselves. i'm going to log out i don't know how to do that i was gonna figure it out eventually (laughs) Oh. oh oh gosh